Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Oh, wow. hello. Oh, how's it? How's it going? Oh my gosh, it is great. It is great. I'm having a beautiful. My um, I've I've just come back from out of town, back into Athens, and uh, I've been away from my cat for a few days, and so I'm just back in the coach seat back in the podcast recording seat and my cat is in my lap having a very loving time with my uh, uh just wanting scratches so I hope that doesn't get uh me distracted in our podcast but I think huh. I'm gonna be okay because when it's talking about love I always have intense focus so it's good <laughs> everything is great I am so in love everything is awesome everything is love all around so things are cool. oh love is in the air for love is in the air in the air yeah how are you doing yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Um, I feel like I've got a bit of a croaky throat today. There's absolutely nothing wrong with me, but I just think maybe I haven't exercised my vocal cords and chatted enough today. Ah. So yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we're going to do a lot of that today. We'll get your... Uh, I find that everybody is in, in uh, just having these prolonged colds, having this like mm. raspy, sore throat, dry cough, all that for weeks and weeks. Uh, I was back in Canada and it did a bit of practice and yeah. gosh, there's just this... Oh my gosh, the illness is crazy. So uh, I think all of us have a little bit of a, a throat that sounds like we've been in a lounge bar smoking for the last 40 years. <laughs> no, mine's definitely from lack of talking. I can definitely okay. say that. <laughs> all right, good. <laughs> I reckon if you're in a doctor, though, surely you must just think everybody's poorly all the time because they're the only people you see, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. People don't come and be like, you know what? I feel terrific. <laughs> I feel terrific. I just wanted to stop by, doc, and let you know. <laughs> you know, it is actually really sweet. I did have a patient who stopped by uh, when I was just practicing a few weeks ago. And uh, just to report, when they went to the emergency department, as I asked them to do, and they brought my letter, that the emergency department said something to the effect of, oh, this family doctor doesn't suck. I was like, oh, I'm so, I'm so tickled pink. No, it was really beautiful. It was awesome. So to be honest, shout out to that one patient who came back to me to be like, doc, you did great. I was like, whoa, it's amazing. I don't think patients, I don't think anybody knows just how far their appreciation goes. Oh, fair play, fair play. Yeah. Can I tell you something I was astounded about by the, and I don't know why I hadn't thought about this before, oh, yeah. the difference between kind of healthcare in the US and uh, the UK. Ah. So um, I like to follow a lot of people on Instagram randomly, as, mm-hmm. as other people do too. So there's this woman who is in America and um, she is a Brit. And so she talks about kind of the differences between uh, the US and uh, the UK. And she does funny things with her kids. She's just quite entertaining, all around kind of person. And um, she's moving back to the UK. But anyway, she was doing a, she's she's heavily pregnant with her third child. Mm. And she was talking about going to the doctors and uh, just for like a general kind of checkup. But even though they've got medical insurance, the whole bill so far was up to 30 grand before, yeah. and that's with medical insurance. Yes. I was so surprised at that. I was like, what the fuck's going on? Yes. How do people afford to have babies? She's had three, like. It, it's insane. How is that even possible? Oh my gosh. When I was living in the US, and I could probably kind of give you a few scenarios as to how she's chalking up that bill. Um, 
not the least of which is a lot of insurance uh, doesn't kick in until at least 16 to 24 months after you get the insurance for maternity care. So you can't get insurance and have a baby right away. Uh, the other thing too is that there's such crappy insurance and there's such a caste system when it comes to insurance in the U.S. There's like really top execs with great insurance and they mm. you know they don't even have to worry about what the common folk are worrying about. And then there's like insurance that's just like better off even without it that just has so many exceptions i can't yeah. even like i can't even with that country it's just insanity and um I, do i call him my man uh was <laughs> looking at comparative uh rates of giving birth to a baby sometime in the 50s mm. and it was like in in a santa monica hospital and it was like something on the order of a hundred dollars all in you yeah. stay for five days and somebody takes care of your kid while you're doing so. So, I mean, where have we gone? It's crazy, isn't it? I just mm-hmm. couldn't get over it. It just feels like such a, um, such a, a you know, a misdoing that you, that you have to pay so much, like a fundamental amount to have a baby, even though you're already paying for insurance. And it just seems so unfair and just that people who maybe want to have kids can't and because of the expenses not just that I mean kids are expensive anyway Mm -hmm. but if you add like a a massive bill on at the start of it it just seems insane to me but anyway um it's massively off topic yeah no you're I'm hearing you this is me causing this this is normally you're the naughty one isn't this weird I'm the usual one that goes off on tangents I like this I need to to pull it back and I pull it back okay okay (laughs) Anyway, I just wanted to say, like, it really did shock me. I was, uh, yeah, yeah. I clearly and it hits knew a nothing nerve. about that. You as a mom, right? And it takes away yeah. from the equity of... Absolutely. And again, it's not, it's not, again, when Medicaid in the U.S. kicks in for folks who are really below the poverty line, this yeah. will affect the working poor. Yeah. Uh, like a woman that I saw once who made the mistake of going into early labor with one of her children and her bill was $120,000. Fuck me. And she literally told me, I feel so badly that I have put this cost on my family. Now, just for anybody who doesn't know, you can't control premature labor. You just can't. So anyways, it was just horrible. You must have people putting themselves at risk because, I mean, who would... You'll get people that would just avoid going into the hospital. I've seen it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they'll put themselves at massive risk because they're trying to avoid... I mean, who wants a $120,000 bill at the start of your supposedly happy life together? It's not a very happy life, is it? Oh, gosh, you've got it. Anyway, I could talk about this forever. This is... Oh. <laughs> we need a spin-off podcast, Anna. <laughs> correct, correct. But you know what? Anyway. <laughs> it, it is about, like, babies and love and families yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it is, so it absolutely. Is yeah. yeah, it is not Oh, yes. gosh. Well, um, well, I'm feeling... Like, I need to ask you about the relationship desk of love. I'm feeling out of practice. Oh, yes. I'm like, what comes next? Oh, yes. Relationship correspondence. What's going on? Say, I feel like I need to ask you, are you pregnant? I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I most definitely am not. So for the record, that is not happening and will not never be happening ever again. <laughs> I have um, done my best for the next generation exactly. and it's time out. <laughs> <laughs> it's wine o'clock now. It's uh, oh my days, yeah. Winding absolutely. and dining. Listen, I'm on you. retirement planning, not baby planning. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so relationship desk of love. Excellent. Okay, I've got a little quote for you today that I read on Instagram. Funnily enough, ah, and um, so here we go. So it says, staying in a relationship just because you love someone is not worth it. Yeah. Love is not all you need. Respect is what you need. Time is what you need. Reassurance is what you need. Happiness is what you need. 
a best friend is what you need. Oh, nice. I'm going to say Ooh, yes to someone. You've got an others. objection to something, have you? Uh, the I only can feel something. best friend, yes, a I best friend. <laughs> I, just not to the exclusion of other best friends. Just saying, like you know, diversify your portfolio, guys. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I read that, well, I read the quote earlier, and I thought, oh, that that's really nice to share on the podcast. But it was only when I read it a second time to you when I absolutely knew instantly. Oh, we're did you know? To the best friend. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, but I keep tuned I am learning so many things at like warp speed and maybe I'll come around to a different view I I'm learning so much you know so maybe I'll change but but I, what I do say is that love is not enough I so know this love is not enough yeah. and gosh I love that the very first thing they said is respect mm. um the, respect you know I am noticing uh in my relationship that it's far more meaningful to say I respect you then I love you. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? It hits, it hits on a value far deeper than, than love. I think, well, the issue with I love you is it's often kind of used, um, a a lot. So we use it in the kind of like at the end of a phone call, I love you. Bye. Mm, mm. So we kind of say it and I'm sure that we mean it at the time, but it's not always delivered with that same intensity of, when you get that real kind of rush or and not not just the kind of heady rush of like, oh, I'm in the kind of first throes of passion, but that kind of deep spiritual, I feel connected to you. I, my whole kind of body feels taken over by the love that I feel for you right now in this moment. Mm-hmm. And when we say I love you from that position, hmm. it comes across with much more depth and feeling than it does when you know, you're walking out the door after work going, I love you, bye. Ah. So I think there's a kind of, yeah. whereas often when we're talking about respect, we're saying it in that vein of, you know, I really respect that you told me that, or I really mm. respect you standing your ground on that, or I really respect the way that you dealt with that. That was quite a difficult situation. Mm. So we're often saying it in connection with something. Again, that is more kind of like a deeper feeling situation. Hmm. Oh gosh, that's so true. Maybe. I don't know. I think you're right. In this relationship where I'm learning so much, I am, um, I think I've said this before, but I'm uh, using the words, I love you very sparingly so that I, mm. they don't become part of the daily high and by. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to last, but I, <laughs> I still like to keep it as something that I say with some sort of shyness, like, mm. uh, like it, it, like it almost has that feeling of the first time a little bit. Aww. Just a personal thing, playing with it. Very cute. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, that's very nice. That that's lovely. It's a beautiful manifesto. <laughs> yeah. So, shall we do a hot topic, oh. which is actually linked? Oh, as it as it is always. Yes, let's go. <laughs> Never by design, but the universe helps us out. topic the core pillars of love ah yes yes. by magic (laughs) oh my gosh okay good (laughs) so ah what do you think are the core pillars of love oh my gosh okay so um I mean, you know, it's funny because I don't know. And just for the listener, (laughs) we, we don't actually prepare these things. This is totally coming. So I like my three C's plus one C which I 
a very good friend has uh, sort of imparted, um, which is the communication pillar, the compatibility pillar, the chemistry pillar, but also the commitment pillar. So I guess Mm. that's four C's. So all three of those C's plus the commitment to each other. So those for me are like the four. But actually now that we've been talking about it, I'm like, wait a minute, no, but that's, respect has to be in there somewhere. Um, So yeah, so I'm at the drawing board. It's it's tricky when you talk about these things, isn't it? Because you start to draw up a list and you think, well, there's so many things that need to be present in order to kind of have that love, to have that um, really healthy connection that we talk about Mm -hmm. and to feel like you've got a really thriving relationship because I I guess if we link it back to that, um, to the love desk, then love really isn't enough. So Mm. we kind of do need these other things, but also love, like how do you describe love? Love is kind of an action. It's, it's something that we do It's you know, it's a verb, it's, and it's quite tricky, isn't it, to describe what love is. And mm. people have tried to do this, poets, um, you know, musicians, films, all kinds of kind of artistic creations have tried to really depict what love is. And, you know, scientists will try and kind of say what it feels like in the body mm. or mm. how kind of the brain changes. And there's all these things, but we really struggle to kind of kind of say what a definition of love is. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's where kind of thinking about what a core pillar is. So core pillars to me are what needs to be present in order to make love flourish and happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's where I would come from. It is what needs to be present in a relationship. What, what do we need to be doing? What needs to be part of our kind of everyday makeup? Mm. So for me, I agree with some of the points that you've raised. And I would say, you know, obviously communication, that's got to be there. I think for me, connection and by connection, I mean that kind of that spiritual, that um, kind of intimate, that you're more than just a friend to me. And it's not just about, you know, it's not about sex, though that plays a part in it, but it is about that you're kind of, you know, you're more than that. We are connected on a much deeper level. Mm -hmm. And also kind of aligned with that is around support. So we're there to support each other. I'm there to help to make you a better person. I'm also there to... um, kind of help on those shitty days when actually kind of you feel like the world is conspiring against you it should be your partner that you turn to in those days where life leads you a blow that you just weren't expecting Mm. and it pulls the rug out from underneath you your partner should be there to support you in those moments Mm. but I think outside of that there are some kind of foundations that also need to be present and for me trust is one of them Mm. but I've also got a new one that I've been kind of thinking about um over the last I would say kind of six to eight months and it's come from kind of like self-exploration but also working with with clients as well and for me this is around kind of purpose and vision Mm -hmm. and I think you can have all of those things can be present but if you haven't got something a purpose a vision you know something that kind of I guess it links with the connection part but something that kind of joins you together and a direction of travel that you're going in, you could have the other things and think, well, that's not enough. Mm. Oh, cool. As, as, as you know, I'm, I'm seeing things through new eyes. And so what I thought was, uh, the, the truth is, is, and I'm, I'm seeing this differently. Um, I wonder where this would fit in. I have seen where, um, I guess it gets to compatibility, but I've seen where it seems like there's shared compatibility where, but there truly is not. And maybe it's the shared values. 
uh, that I'm trying to reach for. Because when you are with somebody where a lot of the same values or the things that you find important or the things that you're proud of that you can do, mm. um, if your partner does not see those things, doesn't appreciate them, it's not important, it, mm. you'll, your relationship won't meaningfully get off the ground. Um, certainly if you have things about yourself that you're actually quite proud of, but that actually turns the other person off, mm. that is going to be a thorn in the side of the relationship. I don't know though if that kind of gets all into, into values. Um, I think I, for I, me, that's around kind of shared qualities and, and having where you've got shared qualities or you've got qualities that you can admire in the other person you start to get that kind of admiration starts to show through in your relationship and your relationship comes from a place of strength rather than a place of lacking. Uh, Okay, admiration is a great word because that is something that I feel um, tremendous abundance of and and it is because, uh, and what's interesting is that what makes me admire somebody is not what another woman would admire. Like, and and conversely, like the things that uh, I feel like my person admires is not what has been admired in the past. And so if you can get a nice synergy, Mm. uh, because the thing that I do all the time is the things that I admire about myself. And if, if that annoys another person, well, I'm going to keep on doing it and that will be a highly annoying relationship. But if the other person, yeah, it's, it's, it's glorious to spend a lot of moments admiring uh, somebody because then that generates love that generates sexual attraction. Um, it's nice to also call it out when you feel it to, to, to say, yeah. Hey, gosh, I f- just found that really attractive. The way that you, I, I overheard a work call and I just, I like how you take command of calls. I like your uh, communication style, et cetera. That's just, that stuff is all great. So I think that's in the moment stuff, but then you mentioned sort of that forward vision, mm. but your the qualities that you admire lead to the forward vision. Um, I'm trying to see how like the, the mission Aside from like, do we want to have children? Do we want to travel? Do we want to retire early? Like, do we want to spend our lives in spiritual connection or in a pursuit of religion or, or something like, I think a lot of it is around that life, that lifestyle or life purpose creation Mm -hmm. in where you've got complete misalignment of that that's going to be quite tricky I think to overcome Mm. you know if you've got somebody who I'm I'm at the time in my life where you know I'm hoping at some stage I can actually retire (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm quite far off it but I like to plan ahead right (laughs) so you know we we will have conversations about what that would look like we've got friends around us who have already retired and I'm massively jealous of them (laughs) (laughs) but equally you know when I think about that I think well actually I know I wouldn't do quite well if I didn't have anything to do. Like, mm-hmm. I know I wouldn't be kind of great and I wouldn't thrive in that kind of environment. I'm used to being purposeful. I'm mm-hmm. used to having kind of projects to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm used to kind of helping other people and working with other people. So I think about all of that and all of that, I would still want to have some sort of presence of that in my life. Now, if my partner was like, no, no, that's the exact opposite to how I want to be. I want to be able to kind of sell everything up. I want to do a kind of, you know, a continuous round trip around the world. I'm not mm. bothered about having a fixed board. Um, that's not important to me. Then we start to get kind of two very different, and I'm not saying that's where he is because it's not, but, you know, you start to get two very different future worlds. Mm-hmm. And if you've got 
two very future worlds that are gonna kind of play out in 10-15 years time then is that a long-lasting relationship is that something you want to carry and invest in your time in you know they're just things to kind of consider and think about yeah it is and I think the biggest mistake that we often make is that we share these goals but then we don't actually hear the other person and we kind of think, ah, oh, maybe I can convince them that that's not what they want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and for a short while, we we often will put our goals, our mission and our purpose on the back shelf because of mm. like the love and the infatuation. We kind of hope that it'll just sort itself out. That doesn't happen. Well, yeah, but say. I mean, even worse than that, it's just completely ignoring it and thinking, well, this will never come to fruition, so I don't need to worry about it. And it's horrible. And I think especially around children, if somebody has said, yeah. I want children, uh, that is something to be taken so seriously. Um, yeah. uh, the worst thing that one can do is just say, oh, I, I maybe, maybe my partner is just going to change their mind. Uh, and, oh. and yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, time, time bound, right? So we know that medically you've got a certain cutoff and, and we'll have extremes outside of kind of both sides of that. Um, but you've got a specific time-bound influence there. That means if it's not right, then you really do have to be honest in those situations. Mm-hmm. That's true. A lot of this comes down to um, kind of hard things where um, a lot of us want to look away, again, especially in the infatuation stage, and, and say, ah, uh, you know, there's maybe some red flags here, or maybe I don't want to take a look because I'm having such a good time. We'll often do that in our earlier relationships, again, because linking back to the relationship news, we believe that love is enough, uh, and then... I think a lot of time, though, you don't even see them, right? You're like that, <laughs> you're that into the relationship that you don't even see that. I mean, how many times have you ended a relationship and looked back and gone, fuck me, I should have spotted that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we've all been there right like and quite a lot of things you're like it's not just one thing it's like multiple things but in that moment you you don't see any of it because you don't want to like and why would you mm-hmm. have fun yeah you're having fun it's very no, but... hard to be objective at the start of a relationship and go no no I'm gonna do my full risk assessment on whether this relationship's <laughs> gonna work out or not I've got my clipboard and my checklist ready I've got my <laughs> red flag list and I've got my green flag list and then I'm gonna add them up at the bottom and we're gonna see where we're gonna be <laughs> okay well that actually uh almost exactly describes <laughs> The person that I'm dating right now, <laughs> because well, you have Excel the red flag and green flag list, or he does. Uh, he does. Oh yeah, no. He... <laughs> Do you get a weekly performance review as to oh, how my you're doing gosh. on the list? Do you know what's really funny is that we actually do regularly kind of check in and reflect. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, that <laughs> I still got to get back to the spreadsheet, and so the listeners will not forgive me otherwise. What's the I'm crack here? Killing myself here. Oh my gosh. Like, no, the, the like it's it because I fly by the seat of my pants and uh and he's very methodical and sort of looks for the red flags. It's so funny. I learned a lot. Um because I generally sort of dive in nose first without yeah. checking the depth of the water or if there's rocks down there. Uh <laughs> Anyways, um, and so I've like fallen headlong into wonderful relationships and they've all taught me a lot, but they've, they've been really poorly suited for me. Um, and I, it's just really curious to learn from him to say that he, he does a risk analysis like at the beginning and, and ensures that, the, that, that he's not put in a position where his 
thinking mind is turned off by the infatuation stage. So very much tries to avoid uh, coming under the spell of the the pheromones, uh, essentially. And it, it, it's fascinating because I'm like, uh, you know, my nature is like, let's just enjoy the love, lust, <laughs> you know, like can't keep our hands off each other stage. Uh, but um, it is really cool to not be uh, blinded because... And I do have to take issue with your point. Um, I have seen the flags. I have even been told, I've been told we are not alike. We do not have, we are very different people. And I was like, no, we're so similar, whatever. And it's like at the end of uh, looking back, it's like, oh yeah, we were very separate. So Mm. you know what? I'll tell you that we hear who our partner is at the beginning. And a lot of the time we don't listen. And we try to tell our partner who we are at the beginning, and they may not listen. So just saying. Every one of the red flags and the incompatibility, I have known at the very beginning, but I was like, love is enough. (laughs) So strike, this is a one point for the, uh, one point for the spreadsheet, zero points for diving in, (laughs) nose first and not checking the depth of the water, which has been my strategy. I actually really have benefited from being slowed down because I'm like, let's just be spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> a new way to love. It is. You know, it's funny. Um, I thought that spontaneity was the like, oh, everything, you know, no, um, there's great romance and practicality. And I'm also sort of drawing upon my best friend. Um, she's a lawyer and she's the one who said that a prenup is the most romantic thing you could ever do because she <laughs> loves pre-planning. I think I've probably said that on our podcast yeah, yeah. before. Well, I think it's the most sensible thing you can do, but <laughs> planning, yeah. whether it's the most uh, love creating thing you can do, I'm not too sure. True that. <laughs> on the case of spontaneity, I once worked with a guy who, um, I, I am in the same camp as you, so we'll be like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. What's the worst that can happen? And uh, so we're having this, um, we're on this kind of program, this course. And um, he was like, yeah, yeah, I can be spontaneous. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, he said, I said, when is it then? What examples have you got? And he said, well, you know, as long as I've made sure that I've um, got enough money for it, I've done all the cleaning in advance, we've got all the chores out of the way. <laughs> then I can be really spontaneous on a Friday night. <laughs> it's like, you do know that's not spontaneity, don't you? <laughs> that's hilarious. But it was his version, right? So it yes. was kind of creating the the capacity, the ability to be free, um, knowing that he had taken care of all the things that would have gotten in the way or, mm-hmm. you know, would have kind of uh, cluttered his mind and uh, prevented him from having uh, fun and feeling free. Oh my gosh, that is great. Um, and so that is true. Like I'm starting to realize like measured spontaneity, spontaneity with a dash of spreadsheet. Mm. I'm a big fan of a spreadsheet. So. Okay. So you're on it. Let's, let's not diss Excel. Thank you oh, very much. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Or Google Sheets. There are more than one out there. Oh <laughs> yes. And lest anybody think that we're married to Microsoft, that is not true. We are open source on this podcast. Although I wouldn't mind being God. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, we digress. I'm not doing so well this week. <laughs> That's awesome. So how do we, like, what would you summarize our four pillars of love? Because I, I got lost well, in the sauce. Well, I don't know that there's four as such. I think we've got some definite commonality around um, communication, around 
whether it's kind of connection support, whether you put those in the same brackets or um, that compatibility, just being able to feel like we are more than the sum of kind of ourselves. It's without being kind of massively codependent conversation for another podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is, you know, I introduced this kind of trust and purpose in there. Purpose is kind of a new thing for me that I'm kind of playing around and, think, and thinking about. Mm-hmm. I think the trust is just fundamental of any relationship. I think you need to be able to trust each other. You need to be able to rely on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other things you had on your list? Oh, gosh. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Trust. Compatibility. Mm-hmm. Connection. Yes. Communication. Yeah. Um, another C. And commitment. commitment. But that trust. Well, yeah. Again, I think, I think commitment, though, is it's like trust. I think you cannot have a relationship without commitment and trust because if you haven't got commitment, I just think that's like a, a foundation. It's a fundamental and without it, your relationship will not survive. I can categorically tell you. Yeah. Because you've always got yep. one foot in and one foot out. It's never going to work. If you always, you've all, always got that kind of secret bag packed inside of your head or your cupboard, <laughs> whatever's going on in a relationship, then... <laughs> You're always ready to exit. If you've always got a kind of a plan B, an exit strategy, you're not fully committed. Yes. And if you don't want to work on your relationship. So I heard this recently as well, like, you know, this idea that, well, you know, I am committed, but I don't want to put all this work in if, they, if they're not committed and they don't put the work in. Well, you know, decide for yourself, guys, if you're committed, commit to it. Do what you need to do, regardless of what your other partner, the other person says. Yes, you've got it. Oh, heck yes. Love. I'm not going to say love without reservation. Cause it's not love, but like throw yourself in, even if you get hurt, because you yeah. can look back and say, I showed up with everything that I had. It's just this yeah. beautiful thing to, to, to give everything. Yeah. So long as it's a, a reasonably healthy relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest things we hear from clients that are kind of break up or have previously broken up with somebody is I wish I tried harder I wish I'd done more I wish I'd paid attention earlier I wish I'd addressed things sooner so we get that kind of series of regrets because we aren't showing up fully we're not fully committed we're not investing kind of our role into relationships well I'll say that but on the flip side and and what you're saying I, I think is of the partner who was probably avoidant or more tentative who was the less committal of the pair. Um, I will say that on the other side though, for the person who feels very committed, who wants to commit, but doesn't exactly get that feeling of reciprocity. Um, a lot of the time we, we have to learn what somebody being committed to us really feels like. Mm. Cause I, I think we often get, uh, watch one too many movies where we have to like chase somebody down and lasso them down. So they finally like <laughs> appreciate this, uh, us and, and see, what makes see our good qualities. And I will say that like, um, I would never have known until now what it feels like to be with somebody who is similarly in it. I am so used to chasing people who are non-committal, and I thought that was normal. A fish doesn't know they're in water. And now that I'm in a different set of an environment, I'm like, I will never be able to go back because now I feel what it feels like for somebody to be like in mm. as I am. But I don't think that being committed is necessarily about chasing somebody down, being a people pleaser, doing everything to make the relationship work at all costs. That's and that's not the thing. What, that's not yeah. what commitment is and it's not what investing time is. 
Oh, and that's the thing. Like I have done the people pleasing and the chasing and, you know, et cetera. And I just realized I was just chasing after somebody who was running away from me and would only kind of turn around to see me if I was like running away myself. I'm sick of that game, but that's the only game I knew how to play. Mm. And so the commitment game, I think, uh, for anybody who sees themselves in that description, um, it's like, now I understand what it feels like. I would never settle for anything less than that kind of quality where I feel like I am putting investing time and effort and the other person is doing so too yeah absolutely yeah all right (laughs) nice lively debate today a little feisty yes shall we take a question yes let's go today's question my partner is going through a tough time and I want to support them They are very independent and it can be hard to know what to do at times. Sometimes I feel like I don't exist, but I do really want to do the best I can. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, You know, it's funny, you just mentioned codependence and I'm like, Mm. "Mm, actually, Sarah, I think this is the conversation (laughs) for today's podcast. Independent, codependent, interdependent, all the things. Um, So... This is a delicious question because there's a lot in here. So there mm. may be some, in, uh, th- this may be a situation where the their partner is actually avoidant or sort of too far away. Uh, this might be a person who has a little bit of codependent tendencies where they feel uh, more habituated to being quite uh, intertwined in terms mm. of knowing where their person is, what their person is feeling at all times. Uh, having shared activities all the time. So there's this gentle balance that I feel mm. is not being struck in this relationship. And I'm like, let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that stands out to me is the person asking the question has made this situation all about them. Oh, Sarah, I love it. I love <laughs> when you come up with this stuff. Yes, 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 yes. Like, like they're saying they want to help their partner, but they've made it all about them, right? Like... <laughs> Yes. Well played. <laughs> so that would be my question. You know, what happens? So so I can almost envisage this scenario, right? And maybe I'm doing that because I'm a hyper-independent person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can see myself in the other person's shoes, perhaps. Um, and, you know, there can be times when kind of when the shit hits a van where you just know what you need to do and you just need to crack on and do, do it. And Really, there isn't anything else that you need from anybody else. You just need to get through a very difficult period of time, whether Mm -hmm. that's kind of something kicking off at work or something to do with your family members or you've got a financial crisis that is Mm. kind of yours or or of your making or whatever. But it's something that is, um, it's not necessarily connected to the relationship. So I can kind of see the scenario and the person is just like, I know what I need to do. I need some time. I just need to do it. It becomes all encom- all encompassing. Mm-hmm. So you no longer have that capacity and space and, and breadth to be able to kind of um, nurture and care for and, and play an active role in your relationship. It's probably going to be temporary. It's not going to be a kind of ongoing thing, I would imagine. Mm. And so in that time, sometimes the only thing you can do to help is actually say, do you know what? I'm going to give you the space that you need. I can tell that things are really tough right now for you. Um, I'm here, I'm on the sidelines, whenever you need me, I'm here and I'll check in with you every so often just to make sure that there's nothing that you need and 
but I'm not going to be overly bearing in this situation. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. So that's one potential scenario. Mm. I think that this is okay. Like, Oh, 5,000% totally agree. And I think the overall sort of philosophy of, of how do we, um, and, and, and things will be different in the start of a relationship to sort of getting more serious to deciding, do we want to make a long-term commitment and your level of interdependence is going to change with every stage. Um, but we come in with a certain set of expectations around how our needs are going to be met, how we're going to meet the other person's needs. Um, you mentioned that this really great quality of saying, look, I'm going to stop step to the side and you let me know. But similarly, like you'd be also like, if I need you in here and you're off wandering around on the seas, I need to grab you back in and say, I need you for this. Here's the specific need. And this is what I, this is how you can uh, help me. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think what I'd say as well on the other side of it is, you know, if you're that person that is like massively independent and going off and solving your own crises and, and, you know, coming to your own rescue, which is, which is fine. There is that need to remember though, that you are still in a relationship and you're kind of, because at, at that level, you're almost kind of reverting back to type. You're becoming that kind of single independent person again, mm-hmm. but you're in a relationship. So that also doesn't work long term. It might kind of wash for, you know, a few days, a week or two weeks, whatever. Mm-hmm. But long term, that isn't going to kind of wash because you are still in a relationship. And we talk about communication a lot. In fact, I don't think we've mentioned it much. <laughs> <laughs> so let's bring it in right um, right exactly you know so there is a need for you as the person who's in the fire to actually kind of communicate as well and say look just want you to know I'm still okay this is where I'm at you know give some regular updates give some kind of timeline about when you think some of this hmm. um crap might settle down and you get things kind of under control and when things will kind of start to get back to some sort of sense of normality in your relationship and also to appreciate the space and to say thank you and I appreciate you being there if I do need you um and it's really great to know that I've got you and you've got my back if and when I need it right communication is is great i think trust is really important too because sometimes if we're if there's a really hyper independent partner yeah. the other person might be worried okay well what are you doing when i'm not there that's there's always the but also trust on the other side right so what is it about this person where they feel like they need to be this kind of hyper independent and only i can only i can deal with this only i can sort this out so i need full control in this moment and I get the feeling there isn't any communication going on. There is just a kind of a pure shutdown kind of, you know, to the battlefield. And um, But actually, what would happen if you switched that up a, a bit and just said, look, I want to open up and I want to trust my partner to be able to maybe um, share some of the load or just have a conversation with and clear your headspace or whatever it is. Mm, okay, so I think this is the stages side because... As we're getting to know each other, we'll retreat to the things that are most comfortable. And I think that it's important as we're establishing trust that we may retreat back to the coping strategies that we employed before we met each other. And there should be some acknowledgement that, okay, I understand that you're doing this because you've always done that. And that's cool. Mm -hmm. You do you if you need something. But down the road, I would love for us to try to streamline things a little bit and to start to let me in. Uh, Mm. it may not be that today might not be the thing. 
I even notice this, I can be very codependent, but also very hyper independent. Mm. There's just certain things that I get very fearful of, like missing flights, um, certain things not being done in a certain way. And I always retreat to myself because I'm scared of something being taken away from me and that, or Mm. being denied me giving somebody else the control over, uh, filling my needs. And that goes way back to, to childhood. And so I find myself sort of defending and going into sort of like lock it down solo mode. But in this relationship, I am noticing that as trust is building, I'm starting to be able to let go of the reins a little bit and, and give a little bit of, uh, that control or that, um, involvement to, uh, another person and, and as he is stepping up and demonstrating that, yep, you've given me this thing to take care of and I'm doing it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll be able to give a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So it's a very dynamic process. I think there should be understanding of the each going to each other's trenches in yeah. the beginning, but that can't be forever. Uh, you know, I've spent years in a relationship where there was no shared finances, no shared mm-hmm. assets, no shared anything, right? And that was just total two islands sitting separately which seems all nice and cool, but at the end of the day, there's actually nothing, nothing that really binds you together Mm. in getting vulnerable to become interdependent. Um, you get to a place where it's not like you can't live without the other person, but you don't want to. Yeah. But it is scary because like if they were to drop out of your life one day, there would be a whole, a big hole missing. And for some of us, that's really scary. We've lost other people or other people who have abandoned us before. It's scary. No, it is. It's terrifying. And that's the thing that kind of holds us back. But, you know, as the, what was it the queen said when she lost her husband? She said something about, um, you know, you have to experience loss if you're going to experience love. Oh. Or something like that. I, I totally remember. remember that. I have to oh. go back quite a few podcast oh. episodes to find that out. But it's yeah. something like that. You know, we have to... If we, if we are going to experience the love and the joy and the connection that comes with all of that, then, you know, we do have to accept that at some stage, whether short, medium or long term, we are going to experience some loss. Unless we live together forever yeah. and you're the one that goes dies, dies first. Oh in which case, gosh. it's all on your banner. <laughs> you know, what's really funny is that I actually, apparently because of how poorly men tend to to experience life after they lose a spouse. And unfortunately that we know this to be true. Uh, the life expectancy of married men is much higher than the life expectancy of single men, just because, you know, who else is going to be able to like get food on the table and like, make sure the, uh, the washing is done right, unfortunately, but there's this apparently in all cases, I have to say. Yeah. (laughs) But there's a saying uh, apparently in Greece here where, uh, it's a really bad, um, uh, it's something that you would say to an enemy, like something that like a really horrible thing to say is like, may she die first (laughs) or something like that (laughs) just to say, oh my gosh. Anyways, that's a little dark humor, but yeah. I've already said I have to go first because I'm not sorting out that garage. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God. hundred percent I'm going first. I can't see it happening, but anyway. Oh my gosh. The, <clears throat> Who knows, the, right? None of us know how long we've got. We don't, we don't. Oh. And so, yes, this whole thought of living life together uh, and and the, the fear of, of losing that person or, or us, you know, it, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. But again... Yeah love fiercely, we will lose something 
a lot, um, but it's the only way to fly, to, uh, to really relinquish oneself to somebody else in an interdependent way, in a way that we're still standing our own self up, like as in tango. In tango, you always have to carry your own weight, but just a little lean into your partner. Uh, so there's a bit of that shared uh, energy and that um, you're not, you're gonna, not going to fall over if they step away. Uh, but everything is made more magical as you dance together and create something beautiful together. And now I think we've definitely gone off topic. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but beautiful nonetheless. <laughs> totally. Well, let's, let's rein it back in. So, um, yeah, the, so did the we thoughts, answer the question? <laughs> that's a, that's a good question. And I, I think really incisive, uh, comment there is that the person asking the question is, it really is all about them mm. and you under reveal of wanting to kind of help. And I'm sure they do want to help, but I'd take a kind of step back if I was the person and just say, why is it that I want to help? What is it I'm trying to gain here? And actually, if I flip it and say, what's the right thing for my partner right now? Does that look differently? And if I were to also acknowledge my own need and why this really bothers me, yeah. in this, as I am really... Uh, getting curious about what my partner needs, how do I also then convey the boundaries and the limits so that mm. I'm not going without? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There is work on both sides. Always. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, right. Slight diversion throughout the podcast today. Oh, Mike. Well, I thought, you know, I was like, well, I think Sarah just gave me unwritten permission to go wandering off off topic. And I was like, I'm just going to take that road. It's a Sunday drive. Well, I started the derail and you ended it. I, well, I just took it off I, the, the bullet train to nowhere. But then we always like loop around and find our ways, our, you know, our we'll way back. we get there eventually. Exactly. Well, it was a pleasure as ever, my love. As ever, indeed. And here's to a beautiful... Um, a beautiful week ahead. Yes. Well, and as always, we find ourselves at the dinner hour and pop perhaps the hour for a little glass of wine, maybe just one. Um, sidebar, I just... The, the evidence for and against alcohol for your health just keeps volleying around like a like a ping pong uh, game. So <laughs> I, I'm always a little bit like, should I mention a little drink, a cheeky drink at the end of our podcast? Is it unhealthy? I just don't know. Stay tuned, guys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's unhealthy, but anyway, a little bit what you, what you fancy does you good. Ah, indeed, indeed. All right. Until right. next time. Until next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.